Hello, and welcome to the Hubcast once again. This is a podcast for the Hub community, giving us an opportunity to uh, stay connected these days, to hear from people you maybe haven't heard from in a while. And it's also a space that we are creating to have conversations about times that we've been wrong, the funny mistakes that we've made in our lives, as well as the times that uh, we've had to grow or been challenged in our experience of faith. So this episode that you're going to hear now is the second part of what was episode zero. Episode zero was a piece from sort of a test run podcast we did where Keegan and Adam interviewed me. And in uh, that episode zero, you just heard some of the beginning conversations around what this podcast was about and what our ideas were for it. And uh, what you're going to hear now is the uh, conversation with me. There's a couple of funny little audio things. We're still figuring out how best to record these things and how to mix them and whatnot. Um, but we thought it was a valuable conversation. And we wanted to make sure to have episodes where we are talking to the hosts of the podcast because we want to walk the walk and we want to be examples of uh, creating space where we can talk about times that we were wrong. So without any further ado, here's a conversation between me, Adam, and Keegan discussing times that I was wrong. I hope you enjoy. So we have Tim on today. Uh, I mean, Tim, I think will be on most times as well. But uh, Tim's going to be particularly our guinea pig uh, interviewee today. And we're going to talk about uh, how Tim Watson was wrong about things. Uh, Tim, how are you feeling? I'm uh, I'm feeling good. This is uh, this is it's been a long time coming. I've got uh, mm-hmm. got some confessions, got some uh, public statements Ooh. to make. All right, <laughs> it's getting spicy. Yeah, yeah, this is good. That's good for a possible first episode. We're gonna hook people with deep, deep <laughs> confessions here. What Tim said on the hubcap? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't believe that. I mean, maybe this will all fall apart in our face and uh, we'll all be ostracized from the community because, uh, you know, we'll just be a little too real, but it's the yeah, price to pay. Adam was talking about uh, the network, uh, getting renewed by the network, and uh, heads up, that network is TLC. This is a uh, real concern. Yeah, yeah. I think, we, I think we could make it on TLC. <laughs> we would, there would have to be some kind of home renovation aspect to this, but <laughs> yeah. if we had that, I think we would get picked up by TLC. <laughs> Yeah. So we've got uh, so we've got Tim on. Um, maybe just before we get into it, Tim, how's your how's your week going? We are living right now through. Um, for those of us who, those who don't know, we're in Ontario, so we're in stay at home orders. It's a it's a it's a not great time for uh, COVID. Um, Tim, what has uh, life been like here in January 2021 for you? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of the same thing every day. Um, and, um, trying to be intentional about going outside or, um, finding reasons to, to leave the house in a, in a safe way, going out for walks or things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm working from home and, um, just, uh, just big chilling. It's, uh, January is just such a slow month uh emotionally and there's there's nothing really exciting in january and there's not a lot going on and so it's been um just sort of like puttering away and, and trying to drum up some uh some willpower to to do some things with my days 
Um, been doing, you know, work with the hub and then I'm also trying to write some music right now and, uh, work on a couple other projects and then prepping to, uh, direct at, uh, five Oaks this summer. So five Oaks, an awesome place for those who don't know it, an incredible, uh, man, I don't know how to describe it, retreat center. Mm-hmm. Um, also just, I think kind of spiritual home for a lot of people. Um, you've been working for them for, for just about a year now, I'd, I'd say, right? Uh, yeah, it was like last, uh, last June, Michael, uh, the executive director there called me up and he was like, Hey, I don't know if it's going to be legal, but like, if, if we could, do you want to like run like a social distance day camp? And I was like, I have no idea what that is. Let's do it. <laughs> so I, uh, I like to think of myself as a, as a pioneer. I like any idea that starts with, I don't know if it's going to be legal, but, um, <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah. So we, uh, pioneered the, uh, the genre of trying to uh, get kids to follow social distancing protocols. And uh, boy, is that a wild time. I do not envy any uh, school teachers. So why don't we get into it and uh, chat with Tim a little bit um, about uh, things that Tim has noticed uh, in your life, Tim, and specifically some times that you've noticed uh, maybe you've missed the mark. Maybe you've been uh, uh, wrong about some things. Maybe you'll think that you are wrong about some things and Keegan and I will say that you're wrong about how you're wrong. And I think you were right. And we'll go into this rabbit hole. No, you were right the first time. <laughs> you were right the first time. Yeah, you're, you're wrong now. This, this podcast is what you got way about. more wrong. And we'll have you back on the second season to talk about how the first episode we ever did was wrong. Um, so who knows? Um, I think that well, the one thing that's important to point out is that I think, you know, maybe the elephant in the room is also, you know, I don't think following Jesus comes down to like the, the, the binaries of you got to be right. Um, and there's like, there's, it's, there's no shades of gray and there's always right. And there's always wrong. Um, so it's not to say that, you know, the, that finding, you know, our humanity, finding our discipleship is about getting it right. Um, but merely that it's okay to say, yeah, sometimes I feel like I got it wrong and that there's value in reflecting on that. Um, and in expressing that and sharing that as a community, um, and, in, and even like, uh, Tim said earlier in, in kind of the act of confession, which is a huge piece of, um, of what the, the first disciples and, and the apostles, uh, encountered with Jesus. You definitely want to say that it's a bit more of an exploratory process. Like I was mistaken about this from my perspective, you know, it's, uh, you don't have to say, oh, I've, now I've found the 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 golden ruler of truth, you know, that yeah. uh, against which I measure all things. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, nothing like this. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's about it's about an experience of, of life and a, 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 about a shifting perspective over time. That I think is what is really interesting in mm-hmm. um, learning people's stories, you know. And merely whether you know, not about objectives, but merely the the, the process of growth. Um, and the process of transformation. And that is just, again, so key to when you look at scripture and what, what Jesus is trying to do as he takes this journey with the disciples is, um, you know, some of the assumptions that you have, they may not even be fully wrong, but they, they may be even deeper than you think, or the point you might, you might have the right idea, but the way you arrived there, you know, there might be some mining and some digging to do there. So, um, so I think a perfect way to start it off uh, is to actually just uh, start off with uh, some I- enjoyable uh, conversations about 
when we were kids, because if there's one thing we can look back on, it's uh, our childhoods and say, you know, maybe I'm not the exact same person I was when I was a kid. Maybe all my tastes and, uh, and ideas um, and inclinations aren't the exact same as when I was a kid. So Tim, what was, uh, what was something that you were wrong about um, as a kid? Oh yeah, I'm so ready for this. I'm uh, I'm calling out Brian Watson here. This was 100% his fault. Um, so <laughs> wow, getting into the sins of the father. Oh yeah, here it comes. He knows. He knows I'm upset about this. Um, so <laughs> I um, grew up with actually a very useful word um, that was taught to me by my father. That uh, it turned out is not a real word. Uh, oh, I love words that we think are real, yes. and I love when it takes years to find out that's not a real word. Yes. So he claims that he uh, he heard it in the Dennis the Menace movie. Um, and oh. we have made the counterpoint that that is not just cause for this to be a real word. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the situation, I'm, uh, I've, I've been using this word for many, many years, uh, in conversation with people. Um, no one's called me out on it. Uh, and then I'm like maybe like 16 or 17. Um, my parents have a hot tub hanging out with my friends in the hot tub and you know, I'm getting ready to get out and I'm like, all right guys, like I'm, uh, I'm ready to get out. I'm, uh, I'm all pivoted up. And uh, what? <laughs> uh, just all, all pivered up, um, pivered and up. pivered up. Pivered and so up. pivered, um, as uh, as no one knows because it isn't a word, uh, is uh, the state that your fingers and toes get in when they're all waterlogged and they get all shrivelly oh. and, and, and soft. Um, this oh, is a word that has gosh. been used around my household for for a long time. Um, and this was the like sixteen years old. This is when somebody finally was like. Tim, what did you just say? Like, what is that word? And I was like, you know, pivot like your fingers. And um, <laughs> a medical emergency because Tim is slurring his speech and we don't know what's happening. Yeah. It's been in this hot tub too long. It's getting pivoted. Um, so, you know, I, I, it, was a, it was a mournful experience because it is such a good word. And I don't know of another word for that. Um, so maybe this is also an opportunity for me to spread the word that that should uh, be a word. Yeah. Um, as a Sicilian, I think that that's a perfectly cromulent word, and yeah. I think uh, that this episode might now be titled "Getting Pivered" with Tim Watson. <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean, you're getting pruned or something, right? I mean, yeah. but dude, I, I had a very similar experience when I was a kid. My mom would always say, like, when tea had become steeped, you know, you're mm-hmm. steeping the tea bag. She would say, "Oh, it's become stupid," and this was like a joke that her <laughs> friend had always used, but she used it. Every every time you know so like in my child mind i picked that up that like oh the past tense of to steep is stupid and <laughs> so then I, I thought this was really the case you know uh until i, I can't remember the moment unfortunately i don't have that that great moment of revelation where i realized it was wrong but i, I do recall thinking like oh man <laughs> i can't believe i was duped this way into the I can't believe I was so steeped to believe. I, I know. <laughs> I was steeped enough to believe this. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tim, what was what was your most hilarious or I mean I even like putting it this way because I think dumb things are hilarious, but that's just because I'm dumb a lot. What's your most hilarious or dumbest mistake that you've made? <laughs> yeah, I teased uh, teased this story earlier. It's it's time. It's, it's ready to come out. Um, I've only so, I've just heard the idea of this story. I'm so excited to hear this story and how it happened. Yes, I was uh, I was directing at Ryerson Camp, and uh, it was the preseason. It was uh, me and uh, Chad Beesman and, and Sarah Dwyer hanging out on site, getting things great done, team, opening up the camp. 
quality folks. Good times were had. Um, we had very old uh, boats, um, the aluminum boats from Ganondawe. Still got them at Ryerson. Hey, the Ganondawe reference in in the first episode, my alma mater. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and uh, they uh, they got some leaks, so we were like, okay, we're going to get ahead of this. We got these times this preseason. We're going to find these leaks. And I was like, all right, I know how to do this. I'm going to fill the boat with water, see where the leaks come out. I'm, I'm sitting <laughs> there. I got the boat on the ground. I'm like, I'm ready to fill it with water. I got a hose. I'm like, you know what? This so you be- think it's going to work the same way, like, if there, if you have a floaty, like a, a an inflatable donut, and you're like, you want to find the leaks. As my dad always taught me, you're like, put a little soap on, put some water on. You'll you'll see the bubbles. You'll patch the bubbles. You think that's going to work with a, with an aluminum boat? Well, I, I still think this would work. <laughs> this <laughs> isn't right. a mistake. <laughs> so apparently this is not the wrong podcast. This is Tim's turned this back into, no, I was actually the right. No, no. I think, I think filling a, a boat with water to uh, uh, get, find out where the leaks are. I think that's legit. But uh, my concern is it's on the ground. I'm not going to be able to see it if it's like on the bottom. Yep. I need to raise this boat up. Um, oh, man. Uh, I'm like, oh, man, there's a canoe trailer there. This is perfect. I'm going to put the boats on this canoe trailer. I'm going to fill them with water. Boy, boats are big. Um, it's going to take a while. I'll just... And for those who don't know, a canoe trailer is basically just two um, two arms that go out at, at, at the ends of, of the canoe. So it's probably, what, 15 feet, 10 to 15 feet yeah. where there's nothing underneath. Yeah, and it's just this big, like, metal construction. Metal is strong, right? Everyone knows that. Um, uh, I mean, metal is, uh, is kind of a catch-all but, term. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it's made of metal. metal. is stronger than others. Steel um, is stronger than aluminum. Yeah. Right, so toss the boats on, toss a couple hoses in. I'm like, all right, I'll come back and, like, switch it over to the next boats uh, in a bit. Go over to the director's cabin, chatting away. Uh, doing my thing, feeling good about uh, this multitasking I've got going on. Uh, and then just hear this big, loud crash. Uh, and the canoe trailer has fully split in half from the, oh the immense weight of truly so much water because water is so, so heavy. And I had like multiple yeah, boats full of water. Um, and oh, despite metal being strong, we all know that, uh, not nearly strong enough. Uh, so shout out to uh, Dan, like, I'm Dan not going to fill this with mercury, but. You know, I am going to, you know, that would be too heavy, but I'm going to fill this boat with water. You split the trailer in half? Yeah, like down the middle, like oh, uh, at, at where the wheels amazing. are, at where the wheels are. It was like split uh, and like it was like at this horrible angle. So I'm like snapping pics and sending them to uh, Dan Slamet oh being God. like, hey, you think we can fix this? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was my first summer directing. I was like coming in with like minimal confidence that I could even succeed at the job. And then I did that. Yeah, and like, this is a real cool. boost you needed. Eh? Like, <laughs> and this is pre-camp. So yeah. you're coming in with, with low confidence. And then this happens before like before anything should have been like a high risk activity at this point. You've let a pretty valuable resource of the camp. Yeah, broke it right in half. Amazing. Uh, you you ripped it in half. Oh man, uh, that's incredible. I from the way you teased it, I thought this story was just you ripped you just like you broke a canoe. Oh, no, uh, no. I did not realize that you actually broke yeah, trailer, the trailer. Which did the canoes survive? That's what I was imagining when you were setting it up too. That the canoe was going to snap in half. No, I think the canoes were fine. <laughs> Those little boats are probably going to outlive me. Wow. Because I'm pretty sure that trailer probably came from Ganadawe, too. Oh, yeah. They've got a new oh, one now. Yeah. 
and I was a part of. Well, well I, I bet I bet they have a new one now. Yeah, <laughs> really, they like they're they're saying they didn't are. just roll around with uh, with the with the shards <laughs> of a of a split canoe trailer, just just you know delivering canoes to kids at camp. Nah. Yeah, and it was also like it was in the spot where like the dump, uh, the like the the truck comes to pick up the garbage. So I had to like just like shamefully drag it away. <laughs> oh boy, it kind of goes back to just the, the idea of this whole thing, which is there's so there's there's a treasure in just admitting, hey, we're not going to nail it, and that's not only is that okay, that's so human. That's just that's just life. So I hope that. Any future directors of Ryerson listening to this <laughs> or future directors of any camp or future towers of uh, canoe trailers or people who want to test the durability or, or sorry, find a hole in a canoe know that, um, hey, if Tim Watson could split a trailer in half, you can too. <laughs> <laughs> Give him tips on the technique. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think I could do it again. No, I got it down. I'm, no problem. Yeah. You got it once, I, you can do I'm it again. Sure you could. I'm sure physics would continue to obey the laws of the universe. Um, Tim, let's uh, let's start to dig a little de- uh, deeper here. What was something that you, uh, and again, also recognizing that faith is not just as objective, right or wrong. What's something that you think that when you look back, you think, you know, I was kind of wrong about this when it comes to um, my my faith or my beliefs or um, how I lived out and interpreted this walk with Jesus. What's something you were wrong about when it comes to, to God or Jesus or your faith? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not even sure. I thought about this, but I'm not sure where this idea came from. Um, but I um, kind of growing up and, and moving into adulthood, I had this idea that like you could uh figure out uh kind of like you could figure out all the answers to faith with like enough work um like that Uh there was like like these wise uh uh phd or like masters in divinity people that were like walking around like having it all figured out because they'd like read the bible in the original Greek, so they were eugene peterson is a perfect person nt right yeah yeah exactly knows everything there so the kind of the idea of of a guru where exactly um, I can, I can achieve, I can climb the mountain. Mm-hmm. And once I get there, I've, I've got there. I'm there. And I've I arrived. Turned around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, the idea I guess that I had was, um, that like there was th- these like questions that I, like, I've always had a lot of questions as a kid. I was the like six year old that was being like, all right, mom, like, if uh if god made everything who made god um like, that was that was well, apparently not asking questions about pivot no just the deep existential question absolute faith in pivot um but uh but yeah i always had these questions and the, and the idea was just like okay like you get the answers to those um and then you're good on that one um and so i was you know just inquisitive dude but i was busy with high school i had to get good grades or something um so i had these questions but i wasn't like they weren't like my primary thing um and then coming out of high school um and being like all right i'm gonna like i'm gonna buckle down i'm gonna figure out the life and the universe and uh existence and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get all the answers and we'll, we'll be good um 
because these questions were really bothering me. Uh, so I, yeah, like I was like, oh, okay, like obviously like Bible, big deal. It's got all the answers. I'm going to like give that a good, <laughs> good, yeah. good read and like read the whole thing. Um, and just had more questions. Read the whole thing. Read the whole thing. What, at yes. what age did you read the whole thing? Um, I read the whole, uh, so that was, um, I think that was like, like March of, uh, 2014. Um, I would have been like 18 or 19 and it was a challenge with a friend of mine. We were like, we're going to read it in a month. Um, and it was this cool thing where, uh, we were like, we were both like wrestling with questions. Um, and we're like, okay, we're going to read this in a month. Um, and then at the end of it, she was like, I don't think I can be a Christian anymore. And I was like, I think I should go to Bible college. <laughs> so, that's like, polar opposite. I, I feel like you are, I, I feel like you're so not alone in that two people could come out. I think it says a lot about just where our, where our world is that people, two people could encounter that exact experience and have those precisely polar opposite responses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we've had so many good conversations about that since. Um, but uh, yeah, reading it in a month, it's a wild time. Um, so yeah, I came away with that. Even more questions. I was like, I got to go to like Bible college. Uh, went to like a very conservative Bible college where it was like, okay, these guys are going to have all the answers. And like dudes with PhDs were telling me uh, all these answers. Um, and I was just like coming away with even more questions. And just like <laughs> this, this this cycle that if I had asked any old person, they would have been like, oh yeah, you never have it figured out. And I'd be like, whatever, old person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like I do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, just uh, and like I'm sure if I even asked those uh, those profs at uh, at Heritage, they would have been like, "Oh yeah, like we don't have this figured out either. We're still asking questions." Um, they would have, you know, had their answers to things. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so just like one of those classic, like it just takes you so long to learn a lesson. Um, so just kept like exploring different avenues. And like, I would have like certain authors, like the first time I read mere Christianity by CS Lewis, I was like, mm -hmm. I was riding high for like a couple months. I was like, yeah, man, that guy is so much smarter than me. He's got the answers. Funny, yeah. It's like, maybe it yeah. does all make sense. He used a lot of words I didn't know. <laughs> and then like, just like let yeah. it cook for a bit. And I was like, actually, hold on a second. I got some more questions. Um, and uh, yeah, I just had this. Which is funny because if you, um, if you go through C.S. Lewis's kind of uh, uh, written works, his nonfiction, his, his Christian commentary, his apologist uh, work, you also see him working that out through through the course of his books where where not super on the nose where he's almost commenting on his earlier works or his mm. earlier beliefs um and mining deeper and then not that i think again not to 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 vault c.s lewis to the to to the level of um a perfect person um but it's funny that that we look at just whatever was is right in front of us and if it's giving us a taste of um, not even certainty, but merely just solid ground. And maybe this is a 21st century anxious millennial thing. I don't know. Um, and I say that classifying myself as that from for much of the last 10 years. Um, when we find some solid ground, we're just, uh, it's, it's like we're in the water and we're just trying to clamber onto it. Um, and then when that expands or breaks up or there's there's something else in front of us that that could probe us to new questions um can be a very destabilizing experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I, i'm i'm at least grateful that 
uh, I didn't, I didn't kind of, you know, get the, the particular answers like from Bible college or something. And then, um, there wasn't, there wasn't enough pressure or there wasn't the idea within me to like, okay, now that you've got the answer, like, just don't think about those questions. You, you've got something. So if you just like pretend that that makes perfect sense, then you could just be safe and happy and, and stay in this spot. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm grateful at least that, that I was willing to step off the like comfortable spot from the, the post, uh, mere Christianity high, um, and be like, hold on, I'm not so sure about this. Um, but then, yeah, it was this cycle for for a long time of just like uh, really like shook up and like being like, oh man, I'm doing a terrible job of this because I'm like, I really don't, uh, I don't get any of this stuff, and I feel like I'm like faking this or um, feeling like other people also had to like have concrete answers about things. So asking people like just like really, really in depth particular questions that like they wouldn't have an answer to because it's not the sort of thing. That they Did you feel about. like you had imposter syndrome with Christianity? Absolutely. Yeah, especially like moving in the direction of like a joke about like I was like a professional Christian, um, and to some extent I'm still like I'm getting paid to do things in in spiritual spaces, and that's like it's a very intimidating thing. Um, but like leading a youth group uh, when I was living in Seattle, um, and I was like doing lessons on like um, like creationism um, or like how how can we know the existence of God or like just like like lessons on like proving particular concepts because that was just like yeah. the sort of thing that I was like so zoned in on and I think in retrospect uh, the best moments with that youth group were like times when we were just talking about our stories and our experiences uh, or times mm-hmm. we were just like sharing life together and like doing that um, as a community um, but like Sunday mornings I would be like giving them all these resources and like okay you could like read this book if you want to like know more about this or like here's 10 scriptures if you're like i'll give them like a take-home sheet of like this information <laughs> here's my top 10 scriptures to silence the nagging questions about the nature of existence yes repress those doubts here you go here's the resource really don't acknowledge down. them as potential rooms for growth just yeah. quiet them down with these nice simple answers yeah and i think like so often the this is maybe true of like uh, like pastors and other other people um but you can tell like what they've got cooking in their heads by like what they are projecting onto their their congregation or their audience yeah, sure. um, absolutely like i was uh, i was uh, leading the the worship program at uh, wellington square great congregation um and there was just a year where i sang the song give me faith way too many times <laughs> like, <laughs> way too many because it was just right like it was what i needed to to be hearing and thinking about and like i'm sure like people liked it the first few but there, there must have been people that were like oh my gosh this song again. here we go again you know, I'm uh, I'm a little picky. I'm a little snooty when it comes to worship music. I love that song. Oh, yeah. And I will also want to say, you know, I, I don't know that there's anything like, like, I actually wish there was more worship experiences where the person, I mean, whether I know it or not, where the person up front is, um, we're like needs this song themselves. And I actually like, I think that we are actually inundated with, with, um, you know, Christian worship cultures that are um, inauthentic or are just here's here's the prescribed thing that the leadership thinks we need or the theology thinks we need um, or the uh, the denomination is, is saying, like, this is what we're focusing upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in a way I like I, you know, I didn't obviously I didn't know that at the time. I kind of love that that there is a worship leader up there that's like, um I'm singing this for me because I need it. And I think that there's actually some like some deep like value 
uh, out of that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe we can start to um, shift gears a little bit. And Tim, maybe you can talk about when when this started, this kind of uh, cycle started to shift. You know, if you're in, you're stuck in this circle where it's like, oh, that answer is not it. But the the one, the proper one is out there. You know, if I could just find the right kind of puzzle piece that fits into this um, space, you know, then this whole thing will come into focus, and I will be able to see the picture properly. Because I think that that is an impulse that I think a lot of people um, have, especially uh, younger folks. You know. And they're they're often kind of um, people can be pushed into thinking that way too. I think there's you know there's the whole um, discipline of like Christian apologetics and so on, uh, where it's all about oh we have to defend faith. Like there's this kind of defensiveness, and there's this impulse that says that oh I I need to have these solid answers, otherwise I'm kind of vulnerable to these um, uh, to these other modes of thinking or something like that. And you know I think. Um, at least from my own perspective, it seems like rather than looking for answers, I've, I'm always interested in looking for more and more interesting questions, you know? Um, and so I wonder, did that, what was the shift there for you that now this is the subject that you bring up as the kind of thing that you were mistaken about in the past? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, this is, um, this is not a prescriptive uh, shift as far as uh, how it worked out for me um, in that uh, like, like so many things in, in people's stories for me, it was kind of just like a need to like hit like a bit of a rock bottom um, to, mm. to give up on that. Um, and I don't think that's what everybody needs. Like, I think it's good to like ask questions and then look for answers and, and chase that cycle as long as, as you need to. Um, but if you can do it without, um, like reaching a point, uh, that I did, I would say, go, go do, do that instead. Um, <laughs> but, uh, for me, it was just like continuing to do this and continuing to like, just kind of double down on this, like, um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, the, the professional Christian life. And like, it still had like spaces to talk about doubt. Um, and I think all healthy faith communities have those spaces. Um, but feeling like I had to like be a good example or feeling like I had to, um, you know, like a uh, teaching session at camp, you're not going to be like, oh, six-year-olds, what's, uh, what's the deal with uh, the authority of scripture? <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, so just like for me, it came down to like that I, I was just so, so tired of this cycle of like trying to um, present one way um, or feeling like I was like obligated to present one way in um, kind of professional spaces or in my community spaces and then having to like wrestle with questions and um, just like a, like a point of like burnout with that um, and uh, realizing that I kind of had to step away um, from that sort of uh, work or to, to find ways to do that work in a different way that where I could um, be uh, more authentic about that sort of thing. It was this very kind of like long uh, build up um, and then um, just like, like, having to, to to acknowledge the thing um in myself so you know shout out to uh steve cowley and uh nyla carboni for living with me during that oh. um, <laughs> First of all, brilliant people and oh, yeah. wonderful people uh to uh clearly as you're indicating to to be there and and be incarnationally you know experiencing you know, we talk about, again, not being brains on sticks. Uh, it's a big thing to live with someone. 
uh, it's a big thing to to be there, especially as you're talking about to be there as you're uh, experiencing doubts, rethinking, deconstruction. Um, Niall and Steve are some of my favorite people in the world. So great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they got the, uh, the, the brunt of that, uh, that kind of period of like realizing like, oh man, like this is not working. Um, and so, yeah, I th- that was kind of the first part of it of acknowledging like this, this cycle doesn't work. I was just like reading another book that's going to briefly make me feel like I've got answers and then, um, fall away from that and so that was those acknowledging that that cycle wasn't working and then just the right ideas slipping in at the right time like i think um people have like like it's like the right time to encounter a certain idea and there's there's mm-hmm. authors and there's, yeah. there's ways of thinking that if i had come across them a couple of years earlier i would have been like oh this is heresy or like oh this, this person's not making a rational argument or whatever um uh but the we can't sell this person's uh works in our bookstores anymore <laughs> yeah and, and i i, I I don't. I don't think this is only a progressive, whatever you want to call it, progressive lefty Christian thing. And I say that identifying myself in, in a lot of those. Um, I don't think it's only that thing, but I do think that it's something that that many of us who have um, learned and been formed in in progressive uh, versions of faith have fallen into is that idea of I just need to read the next book. I just need to listen to the right podcast. I just need to have um, the right ideas. And it kind of becomes this new purity culture of um, if I only just had this idea or if I only just stay one step ahead, um, I'll, 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 I'll feel fulfilled or I'll be in the right. We're, we're, we're really, there's a lot of shame attached to that. And Mm -hmm. so the ability to go beyond, am I just reading the right person? Am I just um, following? Do I have the right curated Twitter echo chamber? This is totally me talking to myself right now. My Twitter is completely like <laughs> progressive Christians, Blue Jays, uh, sports writers, and professional wrestling uh, podcasters. <laughs> uh, am I just in the right vein of things that I'm going to be okay. And the idea that Jesus offers, like there's something way bigger and way more liberating than just curating your own experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it just came down to like giving myself permission to uh, let some of those things that it was like, okay, like I got to hold on to this idea. So I got to keep reading these books so that I can still believe this thing. Um, Right. uh, And, and just being like, okay, like, like let's like, take some time off where it's okay to just like not, not even believe that or like to not, uh, to be okay with that being uh, wrong or whatever it is. Um, And to, to get the space away from feeling like obligated to keep that, that cycle going and just, yeah, having the space away from it. um, And yeah, reaching that kind of boiling over point was, was what did it for me. Um, And I don't know that the space I'm in now is like the, the prescriptive like this is how people should be um oh. or i'm existing in a very ambiguous space of like oh yeah like that's a tough question i just won't think about it um, <laughs> that's what i need right now um but um i think that long term for a healthy uh life of a person you gotta have some things that you can land on and and feel solid about um, yeah i think that uh, i really resonated with what you said um that you gave yourself permission and i, I mm-hmm. you know I, I had a similar experience when i was a bit younger as well um where there were certain 
uh, beliefs about the world that I was just hanging on to so tightly that when I felt like those things were under threat, I had this really strong negative reaction, you know, and I was right. like, oh, no, I got to push that away. Those ideas must be wrong they, because they threaten this set of core ideas, you know, and um, there were just kind of certain certain uh, thinkers of our time, I think, who um, gave me permission to explore um, a different sets of ideas that did unsettle that what I thought were these really core ideas. And, you know, it turns out that that's, that's a really healthy process to take those things and examine them seriously. And, you know, this conversation is kind of making me think like, it's really about knowledge, right? This is a question of, well, what is knowledge? How do I, how do I have knowledge? How do I kind of determine whether my knowledge is true? And um, in if we kind of take a philosophical approach to that question, you know, you can think of Socrates, right, way back in the uh, beginning of the kind of Western um, philosophical tradition, where the there's this core idea um, that, you know, really informs what today we call Socratic dialogue and, and, and Socratic practice, which says, what is uh, the beginning of knowledge, right? And, and, and Socrates mm-hmm. says, well, it's, it's a kind of self-knowledge, um, the knowledge that I don't know. Uh, and in order to gain knowledge, you have to start from a um, an honesty about, about ignorance, you know? And I think in the place of... Uh, uh, in that place within ourselves where we hold on so tight to some of those core beliefs, there's an unacknowledged ignorance, you know, and uh, when we are kind of mature enough to look into ourselves and to see that and to say, the answer is that I actually, I, I don't know. And I need to give myself permission not to know in order to um, begin to explore in order to ask some questions whereby knowledge might come to me. Um so I think that that is just such an important component of the um, coming to maturity and uh, uh, when it comes to thinking and uh, when it comes to a, a worldview, you know, and you've kind of described that process in your own life of coming to that point of saying, you know, it's okay to have these ignorances. And now you're saying, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes I'm good with that. I'm like, you know what, I don't know. And I'm just going to hang out in my ignorance zone here. And that's cool too. And, you know, that's probably fine and comfortable to an extent, but uh, that could also be a launching off point, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to come to these um, like clear uh, conclusions, these clear kind of, uh, you know, the new catechism or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was a cool, uh, it was a cool thing to realize, like, just how much of, of this kind of thinking is like a, a fundamental part of the Christian tradition. Like you've got um, so many of the books of the Bible are written by people that were on the fringes of their spiritual community. Um, yeah. Or you've got like the Psalms uh, that have these like really intense like statements of, of doubt and uncertainty and lament and frustration um, yeah. or like, um, uh, ecclesiastes that just like everything is meaningless like there's nothing new under yeah. the sun i've tried it all they're just a all wisp of vapor thing. man so like, don't even worry about it it's, it's all going to be gone tomorrow like just and there isn't like a satisfying conclusion to that book either it isn't like a psych go to church no it's, <laughs> let me tell you something if you lead uh, as i have some junior youth uh some middle schoolers don't just start with Ecclesiastes because uh, that's not that's not going to be helpful because they're going to look at this and be like, so the Bible tells me that everything is meaningless. Um, so I, I love that that's included in the uh, diverse voice, uh, in, in the diverse conversation of the Bible. 
but that's exactly right. Like there's just so much happening. There's so much going on in these things in this, in this collection of texts. Yeah. So yeah, Tim, you got any, um, kind of final, like wrapping up type thoughts on that, this, this journey, some takeaways, um, uh, on this experience of change. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, uh, I think if anybody's listening to this and, uh, is, um, oh man, I just went to like, I'd talk up for an hour about how I read books to solve my problems. Um, and then I was just about to go to recommend a book. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but genuinely, I think, uh, one of the thinkers that is, is doing the best job of, uh, engaging spirituality while, um, leaving so much space for ambiguity and uncertainty and, um, uh, not needing to believe to engage, um, is, uh, is, uh, father Richard Rohr. He is the man. Um, he's got a lot of great stuff going on. So that, that's what, I mean, that's one kind of tangible thought. And then, um, just the thought of like, I don't think that like, I don't think nihilism is, is the end of philosophy. I think it, it's a, it's a healthy beginning that like looking into the void and, um, mm. having a sense of meaninglessness and, uh, Oh, there's no, there's no point to this. That's, that's, that can actually be a really valuable place to, to be and to view as a starting off point. Um, and that, uh, I think that you can have hope that if you are, um, feeling more and more uncertain and feeling more and more, uh, discontent, um, that, uh, going deeper can yield, uh, more hope, um, than you might be thinking in that moment. Uh, at least I am, I'm hoping for that to be the case. And that is, that is my, <laughs> I'm saying that having not actually uh, reached the bottom of the, the deep, dark void that no, we're jumping into. Yeah, it's, it's true, right? Like hope shows up in unexpected places and, mm. um, as well, it's not just, uh, it's not just a mission for hope. There are other, other things that we can, uh, have and experience, uh, in life as well. So, mm-hmm. Um, let's end off with, uh, one last question, Tim, uh, fairly unconnected <laughs> to end to what we've been talking about. Tim, what is your perfect day off? You've got no work. You've got, you know, you finished a project. There's nothing looming over your mind. What is your perfect day off? Uh, yeah, I would, I would probably sleep in, um, but not like too, too late. I'm tend to be an early morning kind of fellow, but sleeping in past, uh, when I would typically wake up. Um, and then, um, it would probably be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be some time outside. I think it's probably summer. Um, and I would do like some paddle boarding or some canoeing, um, with, uh, with some friends and then probably, uh, if, as long um, as you have a trailer to get you there. Oh Yeah. Yeah, which uh, is, is questionable at best. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd be do, doing some paddling, and then uh, it, I, I haven't got, like, the meals planned out or anything. I think I could go into a lot more detail, but um, I would be, it would be coming home. It would be playing, uh, playing some board games with a bunch of people and then having, like, a big, like, jam session uh, to, to end the evening. That would be my, my day. Beautiful. Love That's it. great. Well, uh, Tim. Thank you for being uh, the guinea pig, the first uh, the first attempt at uh, what this uh, I was wrong hubcast podcast uh, could be like. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, in, great things to just chew on uh, and think about. Um, and thanks for being vulnerable enough to uh, 
to dive into what, again, in our society is really hard to do, which is just talk about times you feel like um, you missed the mark. And I hope that uh, uh, this can be uh, valuable for folks who are, who are listening in. Um, we're going to continue to do this, uh, in this, this year of 2021, um, and, uh, chat with some more people about how they've, uh, how they missed the mark and how that's actually helped them, uh, grow and transform and dive deeper into, uh, uh, a life that is, um, that is, uh, uh, uh founded on love and, uh, truth, um, and beauty. And so, um, for those of us uh, at, the, at the hub, we thank you for listening and uh, we'll be back uh, next time uh, with uh, a new person to chat with. And this time, Tim will get to maybe ask some questions instead of just be bombarded. Um, so uh, thanks for listening and we will see you next time from the hub. I am Adam. I'm Keegan. I'm Tim. And we will see you in a week or so. Take care, folks. Yeah.